each of us came here to this place in our individual spiritual journeys, to the faith of Unitarian Universalism, and to this specific congregation following a unique path that is ours alone. Each of those paths are equally valid. All of them probably had some struggles or obstacles or challenges, and all of them asked us to make choices along the way. This is equally true for ministers. This morning, you will hear parts of the journeys that led me and Shay to Unitarian Universalism and to ministry in this faith tradition. Even within one clergy couple, our stories are very different. As you listen to our stories, we invite you to keep your own story in mind. Where did your path begin? Where has it taken you on your journey here? What choices did you have to make? What have you had to leave behind and what have you kept with you all along the way? If exploring your own story doesn't feel possible or safe right now, we invite you to just enjoy hearing these pieces of ours. Perhaps you will find some resonance within them. So I was raised Catholic, very, very Catholic in the middle of North Dakota and church was everything to my family. I was raised unchurched until about age eight or 10. And then my family church shopped for a bit before discovering Unitarian Universalism at the Second Unitarian Church of Omaha, Nebraska. When I was growing up, we lived only a few blocks away from the church that we went to. This was the church where my parents were married, where my mother had been baptized as a baby, where my grandparents were married. And everything and everyone I knew as a child was Catholic. There was just no choice. That was, that was who we were and what we were. Not only did we attend church every single Sunday, but my sister and I both attended the elementary school that was attached to the church. And that school, my dad was the principal, my mom was the third grade teacher, and my aunt was the librarian. Meanwhile, I went to public school with friends of many faiths. One of the things that led my family to search for a church, in fact, was that I began asking why my friends went to church and Sunday school and we didn't. After trying a few churches where I mostly remember memorizing scripture to earn little gold stars, it felt good to find one where I was not only allowed, but actively encouraged to ask questions and to find my own answers. Questions were not encouraged in the Catholic church that I grew up in. I didn't really know what questions to ask anyway, other than I wanted to be involved in what was happening in the church. And I wanted to be involved because I wanted to feel, so, to find some meaning in what was happening. And I didn't, I couldn't. So I did get involved. I was allowed to, I, I played the piano for services every single Sunday from like third grade to college. I was an altar girl for many years during elementary school. I was a reader and an usher and in the youth group. And I got confirmed when I was in high school and all of that was well and good. And I felt really involved and included sometimes. But what I really wanted was to feel something. I wanted, I couldn't even put words to it, but I wanted there to be meaning to what I was doing. And I wanted to know if others were feeling things too. 
I was also looking for meaning and depth, and I was finding it intellectually, but not spiritually. By my early teens, the very things that had felt so good about Unitarian Universalism were beginning to be unsatisfying to me. I was at a stage of my life where I sometimes just craved easy answers rather than always more questions. I also began to recognize that I was missing a sense of reverence and that I was desperately longing for ritual, although I don't think that the me of that age even had that language to put to it. While Unitarian Universalism has never been an exclusively humanist faith, the 1970s and 80s were a time when humanism was probably at its peak in our faith and the Midwest leaned more humanist than other parts of the country. My childhood church was full of people who were what I would now call secular humanists, many of whom had thrown out anything religious from their backgrounds because of the deep wounds they had experienced in the faiths they grew up in, most of which were varieties of Christianity. In my own church, I experienced encouragement to intellectual growth and to understanding the wisdom to be found in many world religions, but with little or no emphasis on Christianity. I experienced reverence and ritual when my religious education class used the neighboring faiths curriculum. Uh, at some point, it was also called the church next door. And I, we visited several Protestant churches and a synagogue. I also found a sense of awe in the natural world that I had never felt in a church or for that matter, in any human constructed structure. I especially felt it in the majesty of the mountains and the immensity of oceans, both of which made me feel simultaneously very small and part of something very powerful. So when I was in high school, I did find things that made me feel that those things were music and literature and nature and the friendships that I made. Um, when I was in high school, I was in the public schools and the friends that I made were Protestants of various, various denominations. And I would go with them to summer camp or to youth group sometimes. And I would watch them lose themselves in these ecstatic Christian experiences. And I would envy them that depth of faith, that sense of belonging and unhesitating commitment to the tradition that they were a part of. I didn't, I didn't ever feel that depth for the Catholicism that I was raised in. So by my late teens, the real question for me was not where can I go to find what I need? Because leaving Catholicism really wasn't an option. It was, how do I find what I need within this faith tradition? As it turned out, my father's military career gave me the chance to explore other faiths in a deeper way. We moved away from Omaha after my eighth grade year, and for the rest of my childhood, we lived far from any Unitarian Universalist church, and this was, of course, long before online worship was an option. Seeking reverence and ritual and belonging, I went to church with both Lutheran and Catholic friends, and I even attended the second year of the confirmation class at the Lutheran church. I quickly found that although part of me still did long for easy answers, a faith with a creed that I could not fully believe was a much worse fit for me than a faith that made me do the work of finding my own truth. Ultimately, I always considered myself a Unitarian Universalist with or without a congregation to belong to.
and I was always a Catholic. There just was no question about it. So I had to figure out how to get what I needed out of the religion I was a part of. So I chose a Catholic college to go to after high school, a college in Minnesota run by nuns. They were liberal nuns, but they were still nuns. And I studied theology and psychology and music and tried to learn my way into spirituality, into something deeper, but that didn't work. And instead, what I started doing was studying other religions and expanding my exposure to other cultures and traditions. I was fortunate enough to be able to travel um, to Europe and to faraway places. I got to meet people with vastly different worldviews and, and, and life experiences. And these people began to mentor me and companion me as I traveled the rocky road of choosing my way out of Catholicism and ultimately out of Christianity. I remember vividly uh, one day during my senior year of college, I was out for a walk with one of my mentors and I turned to her and I said out loud for the very first time, I don't think I believe in Jesus anymore. Is that okay? And she laughed at me and she said, yeah, Shay, remember, I'm Jewish. It's fine. <laughs> so she's probably the best person that I could have told that to the first time. Travel and reading led me deeper into spirituality as a young adult, too. In my late teens, when my family lived overseas, I unexpectedly experienced a tangible presence of the holy in places like European cathedrals, Egyptian temples, Turkish mosques, and ancient stone and wooden circles in Great Britain. I found a connection to the feminine aspect of the divine through fantasy novels in which women priestesses served a goddess. When I moved back to Nebraska to finish college, I made increasingly frequent visits back to Second Unitarian in Omaha, my childhood church, and I found that the culture there had shifted. There were still a lot of humanists, but there had been a generational change in the leadership of the congregation, and that had led to an increasing interest in and exploration of spirituality and ritual. I soon joined my first time as an official member of a congregation. And after all my experiences in college and my opening up a little bit, I decided I really needed to get away from the upper Midwest. I needed to get out of everything that was so familiar to me. And so I, um, I joined a volunteer program, kind of like the Peace Corps or AmeriCorps, and they sent me out to Washington State, to Tacoma, to work in a homeless shelter. And I worked there for two and a half years, and it completely... Uh, opened up my life and my experience of the world. While I was working there, I, um, I met some really influential spiritual women who introduced me to the idea of a feminine divinity. Um, I found a lot of other people who were on this kind of a journey of search and seeking like I was that weren't grounded in one religion, but trying all kinds of different things. Basically, I found everything that I had been looking for, except that it didn't have any structure. There was no organization or institution holding it all together. 
it was really just a piecemeal um, potpourri that I gathered from whatever crossed my path, whatever I read or heard about on any given day, things that felt right to me or, or um, felt resonant with me. There were times during my search in my early adulthood that I, it was going really well and I was really deeply connected to spirit and to myself. And then there were times where life got in the way and I lost all of that. And you probably can relate where it just seems like the farthest thing away at, a, at, at that given time in your life. Over the next two decades of my adulthood, um, I found myself on a very windy path, moving in and out of all kinds of things, exploring different religions and different faith traditions and wisdom traditions, um, finding things I never knew existed that, that felt right to me, um, finding things that didn't feel right to me, and so I would move on from them. But really, I just was exploring and seeking and searching. When I was 30, I came out as a lesbian, came out as gay. And that process, I was, I was back in the Midwest. I had moved back to be with my parents for a little bit while my dad was sick. And um, I decided then to come out, which was probably not the best timing of my life, but um, I did. And I Googled, where is it safe to be gay in North Dakota? And the only answer that came up was this teeny tiny little UU fellowship in the middle of North Dakota. It was the only UU church for like hundreds and hundreds of miles. And it just happened to be right where I was. And so I checked them out one Sunday and um, found a, it was a, a safe place for me to be for a little bit while I was there um, and a safe haven for me to rest in for just a bit before I moved away again. But over the years, I, um, I have not only been on this spiritual journey, but I've also been struggling with my own figuring out who I am and who I am in the world, my own mental health. I've struggled with anxiety and depression and having to figure out um, how to manage my life with those uh, meditation and other spiritual practices have come in really um, handy <laughs> in managing anxiety and depression. Um, and really, I've just been really exploring and finding ways to deepen my own sense of meaning and awareness. And all of that led me to uh, right around when I was 40, I moved to Humboldt, California, just north of you all. I was living in just outside of Eureka and looking for a job. And I answered a Craigslist ad to be the administrator of a UU fellowship. And this was the first time I had been back to a UU church since that tiny little one in North Dakota many, many years before. I got the job. I rediscovered Unitarian Universalism and I had found my people. In my mid-20s, nudges towards ministry began to happen, although it's much easier for me to see them in hindsight than it was at the time. The first instance was that my mother said she thought my best friend would make a good UU minister. And my instant internal reaction was a jealous, hey, what about me? Followed immediately by a denial. Oh, what the heck was that thought about? I don't want that. I don't want to be a minister. 
several years later when Second Unitarian, where I was a member, was without a minister and members were taking turns leading worship, I put it off as long as I possibly could because I hated public speaking. But eventually, I reluctantly gave my first sermon and discovered that preaching was actually nothing like the public speaking that I had always hated. And finally, at age 30, I went to my first general assembly, and there I heard an unmistakable call to ministry. Even then, I postponed it. I was finally living my dream of being a professional writer, and I didn't want to give that up to be a minister. In my 30s, I developed a further connection to the feminine divine, which I had previously known only through books, and an awareness of the feminine divine within myself when I attended my first winter solstice singing ritual at the church I belonged to at that time in Spokane, Washington. And then I joined the women's choir that performed that ritual every winter solstice, and it became really the spiritual cornerstone of my year for many years. Eventually, I realized that I didn't actually have to choose between writing and ministry, between my desire to get a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing or a Master of Divinity degree. I only had to choose which one to do first. I chose the Master of Fine Arts program, and then four years after finishing that, I began seminary. She forgot to tell you that she also had a baby and raised a wonderful kid during all that. Wow. So as we were putting this sermon together, I realized I've always told the story of how I was called to ministry as getting that job at the Humboldt Fellowship um, and rediscovering Unitarian Universalism. But I realized that actually my call to ministry started way back when I was working in the homeless shelter in Tacoma, Washington. But I mean, I was only 22. I was fresh out of college. I certainly hadn't lived enough life to figure out that I wanted to be a minister or to be a good minister. The very idea of it at that time would have terrified me. I mean, it still terrified me when I was 40 and made the decision to go to seminary then. But I did. Um, you know, th throughout my adulthood, I traveled around. I was in multiple relationships. I had lots of different careers and jobs and thought I had found my purpose multiple times. But um but none of it was grounded in anything. I had lost all sense of tradition and, and truth and principles and values. And I didn't find that again until I got to Unitarian Universalism. Um, I finally was able to start rebuilding a structure and a sense of groundwork for my identity and truth of how I was in the world and what I, what I believed about the world. So it was at that point that ministry became very clear to me and, um, and had just become very much a strong desire after all those years of searching and learning and exploring. I finally just had found my place. As an English major in college, I had always wished that I could fit a class called the Bible as Literature into my schedule, mostly because I was aware of that as an area that was a gaping hole in my cultural literacy as a result of growing up in the particular humanist-oriented UU congregation I grew up in. At the same time, when I dreamed of becoming a minister, I always imagined myself attending one of the two Unitarian Universalist seminaries. However, after reconnecting with my first childhood minister from Second Unitarian in Omaha, 
in Colorado, where I was now living and she had retired, and having several more of what I call nudges from the universe, I chose instead to go to a progressive Methodist seminary where that childhood minister had actually gone, where there was a religiously diverse student body. I believe 38 faith traditions were represented in the class that I entered in. There was also a small cohort of about a dozen Unitarian Universalists there. Choosing that particular seminary gave me opportunities to address the gaps in my own religious education and also to equip myself for interfaith partnership based in mutual knowledge and respect. And I, of course, chose to go to a UU seminary because I knew very little about Unitarian Universalism. I knew a lot about Catholicism and a little bit about some other things and almost nothing about Unitarian Universalism. So I decided to go to Star King in Berkeley, which you probably are all familiar with there at the Graduate Theological Union. And what that meant is that I could take classes at any of the seminaries that are part of the, the GTU. So during my time, my few years in Berkeley um, at Star King, I intentionally chose to take classes at the Catholic seminaries and the other Protestant seminaries in order to um, reintegrate some of the Christianity back into my belief system, to rediscover some of the beauty of that tradition um, and, and accept some of it as my own again. Later on in my ministerial formation during my training, I, was, um, I chose to do a year-long re uh, chaplaincy residency in a Lutheran nursing home and care center. And I had to lead Lutheran worship services. I had to give communion and end of life blessings, all of which were part of a theology that was familiar to me, but that I no longer claimed as my own. And all of this that I did around Christianity and um, my comfort level with it during my training was necessary because it helped me heal some of the wounds and some of the hurt that had accumulated during all those years that Catholicism had told me that I had less value because I was a woman and that I, um, I was going to hell basically because I was a lesbian. Um, it helped me reintegrate some of the beauty of Christianity, of Jesus's message into my understanding of faith and, and the world and how, how things are. And it also helped me separate religion from church to remember the essence of the message without having it all tangled up in millennia of patriarchy and empire and capitalism. I too carried some negative messages from my childhood church, not about my value as a woman, especially since the two ministers who served my childhood church while I was there, both were women. But the harmful and hurtful message that I absorbed from my childhood was the false idea that Unitarian Universalists are exclusively rational people, and that that in turn meant that there was no place for spirituality or mysticism, no room for mystery in our faith. Even after I understood that not all Unitarian Universalists are humanists, and that there are many different kinds of humanism, I still thought for a long time that I had to choose between being a humanist, which appealed to me in an intellectual way, and being spiritual. 
I rejected the label humanist for myself for many, many years because I associated it with, frankly, the disdain that I had witnessed some humanists in my own life expressing for people like me, people who had mystical experiences, people who love ritual, people whose faith is found not only in our heads, but also in our hearts and our spirits. And then during my ministerial internship, I read a book by William Murray titled Reason and Reverence. And I was finally able through that book to claim the humanist side of our faith. I realized that just as the book title suggests, I didn't have to choose between reason and reverence, between the rationality that had attracted me and my family to Unitarian Universalism all those years ago and the spirituality that I had missed in those early years and had worked so hard to find as an adult. I finally understood that our faith is large enough to hold both of those. Our faith is large enough to hold all of these, all of the red hat believers and all of the blue hat believers and everything in between these very, very different paths that Diana and I had um, getting here led us remarkably to very similar places. We ended up meeting and getting together while we were, um, as we were both serving small congregations in Northern New England. Now we're living together in Minnesota where we both serve part-time at churches here. And we're starting this uh, entrepreneurial ministry together um, called Sacred Depths. And our very different paths brought us here um, where we can um, coalesce into something new and beautiful. The author Paulo Coelho says, it is one thing to feel that you are on the right path, but it's another to think that yours is the only path. As we said at the beginning of the sermon, each of us and each of you comes here, has come here following a path that is yours alone. And each of those paths is valid and valuable. Maybe you saw some of your story in mine or in Diana's or both or none. Whatever your path was, it brought you here. And it is part of the beauty of who you are and the beauty that you bring to the richness of diversity in this community. You may have heard some things that surprised you in one or both of our stories. I can tell you that as we were writing this, we learned a few new things about each other in the process. We hope that you will take away from this the reminder that none of us can assume we fully know or understand anyone else's journey or where they're at now, <clears throat> excuse me, or where they're at now in their spiritual journey. Often we can forget this and we can forget that the diversity among us is what makes us stronger and deeper and, um, and, and really makes our relationships more meaningful. We can often as Unitarian Universalists forget that not everybody comes to a faith from somewhere else. As someone who comes into this faith very late in my, my life, my journey, um, I can forget that there are people like Diana who have been UUs since they were like eight or since they were born. Um, that's very foreign to me. We can sometimes forget that there are those who um, 
even who have been UUs all their lives have been on their own journeys with questions and doubts and seeking and discernment to do. So I ask us to remember that each of us have had and continue to have things to learn about ourselves and the journeys that we're on. I think we can sometimes forget that some of us were raised with no religion at all. And that finding Unitarian Universalism is our first experience of any sort of faith community. We can forget that not all of us have come here wounded from a previous religious experience, that we can't assume that everybody comes here wounded from Christianity or um, Buddhism or Jew Judaism or anything else. That some people have just simply not had religion, have found Unitarian Universalism and have chosen to be UU because it feels good and right and true. And we can forget too that the rich theological diversity of which we are so proud of and which we are so blessed by can and will and certainly does include Christianity. We can oftentimes forget that. It includes Christianity along with everything else we call important in our traditions and in our sources. So let us remember to welcome those who are Christian as much as we welcome everybody else. So how do we stop making assumptions about our fellow congregants? How do we begin to understand and value each person's personal search for truth and meaning? I think the answer is that we simply take a risk. We have the courage to tell our stories and to listen deeply to the stories of others. When we are gathered, whether in person or as screens on Zoom, think about the person adjacent to you. Do you know what that person believes? Do you know if they identify as a theist or a humanist or something else? Do you know if they identify more with the Unitarian side of our faith traditions, theology and history or universalism? What or who along their path influenced their beliefs? These are rich questions, but ones we so rarely ask each other. And what about you? What from your past might you reclaim or reframe or rediscover in the safety of this beloved community? What might you need to let go of in order to move forward in your own individual spiritual journey, as well as the shared journey of this community? I believe that spiritual growth only happens when we show up authentically, take risks, encourage and listen to each other's stories, and ground ourselves in our shared principles while also celebrating the wild and wonderful variety of theologies that exist among us. May it be so. Amen and blessed be.